2: Tom Bernard Show with our special guest. Oh. <laughs> You're unbelievable. Well, I was
1: just prepping. I'm <laughs> prepping. It was difficult to get the, uh, the chair because you can't really scoot it because of the carpet. Yep. And yep. as I tried to scoot it, it felt like some of the legs were moving and some of them weren't. And I didn't That's want to be the good. guy who that breaks the good. chair.
2: <laughs> not again. Tom Bernard Show with our special guest. He's still not Tevin Pittman. (laughs) (laughs) Special guest. Oh, Frank Caliendo. I like it. From left to right. uh, Brandon Simon. Andy
3: Bernard.
0: Cassie Schrader.
2: We'll be right back more with Frank Caliendo right after this Tom Bernard show. BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota. Go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. I love this song. I love the traveling wool variant. I mean, a little bit of talent in that group, no question about yeah, it. Yeah, you had Roy Orbison,
0: yeah. George Harrison, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Tom Dylan, Petty. Tom Petty.
2: Yeah, it's a great yeah. band. I've heard of all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, They sounded great together. They
2: did, absolutely, they did. No, I still think one of my favorite things, I don't know if you guys watch, you watch golf at all on television?
1: No, but that, that band sounds like the original
2: Avengers. <laughs> yeah, that's <true. laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like a superhero team up. Go ahead, I'm sorry. It is a superhero team, but... I don't remember what the hell I was even gonna say. What was I talking? Oh, watching golf. Rory McElroy, you ever heard that name? Yeah, I know I know okay. who he is. Yeah. Rory McElroy about three years ago. He was he had won some tournament. And I don't know why the reporter would have done this to him, but he did. He said, Could you name one of the Beatles? Now, the kid at the time is probably what, twenty seven years old, something like that. He's from Northern Ireland, but he's twenty seven. He said uh, could you do me a favor? Could you uh, could you name one of the Beatles? Mm-hmm. And Rory McElroy got this really confused look on his face. and He said, "George Lucas." <laughs> <laughs> was phenom- well, What if the, he'd have been like Pete Best? Yeah, Pete. Be- oh, that would have been phenomenal. I think that would have been a fun uh... Uh, uh, Pete Best got screwed over. <laughs> uh, you mean that one? Um, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know. See, I don't. I I tend to not do that. I just did an interview with a guy this morning that I, I can't say who it is because he doesn't want it released until Wednesday. Nicest guy in the world. And afterward, he said, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you didn't ask me those sappy-ass questions that everybody asks.
1: Yeah, I mean, people don't realize how many times you get asked the same questions. And that's the other thing for me, too, with the uh, the impression stuff. that. I get this constantly. Who who new are you working on? And I will have this. Oh, God. What new impression man. are you working on? And here's the funny thing. Is I've done full interviews where I've said I'm not working on anybody new. If something happens, I'll I'll do it. If it just seems to fit. But I, I'm not working. I'm not sitting there trying to work on a new impression. I was doing a radio show with a sports radio guy, a friend of mine. And he's like, uh. So he couldn't get it through his head. I was like, uh, I told him all that, not working on any new impressions. This whole tour is about not doing the impressions, just telling stories and yeah. finding out more about me. And he's like, uh, so are you uh, are you working on a Tony Romo? Like, no, I told you. I'm not working on any... he's he what about a Jim Nance? Oh no. I'm not working on a Jim Nance. Uh, uh, unless my son sounds like Jim Nance. And he's like, is your son, does he sound like... He, <laughs> he wasn't like, joking. He, was, he about. couldn't get past that I didn't want to do the impressions. I'm like, the reason I want to do the impression is everybody, that's all they ever want. That's uh, It's all I, you I, end I, up doing and you never get to create anything new it's just formulaic stuff
2: I've been ratting out someone on the morning show but I, I don't identify who it is but I used to talk to Gore Vidal all the time I thought Gore Vidal was this magnificent writer, he, he was a terrific writer and so he used to come on the show all the time and toward the end of his life he released a book called Palimpsest which is just basically your, your story on papyrus, it's an old reference so he also kind of discovered that he wasn't going to live much longer. He was told he was not going to live a whole lot longer. This actually happened, by the way. I'm not making this up. So it's about the 20th time I've interviewed Gore Vidal, and now I have to talk to him about dying. And so I'm saying, you know, he says, Mr. Bernard. He always called me Mr. Bernard. He never called me Tom. He goes, Mr. Bernard, uh, I found out I'm not going to live much longer. I said, oh, that's horrible news. I'm sorry that. You, you told me that. He goes, well, tell, tell the truth about whatever. So I'm talking to him about one of the great writers of all time is going to die very, very soon. And I said, Gore, I, I hope you never die. And he said, Mr. Barnard, if I do, you'll be the first to know. Mm-hmm. And right after he says, Mr. Barnard, you'll be the first to know, one of the people on the show said, do you have any pets? Oh, my God. <coughs> oh. I'm like, What? <laughs> Really? You're going to jump in? I'm talking to one of the greatest writers of all time. He's talking about dying, and you jump in with, do you have any pets? (laughs)
0: Okay. Morning radio. That's just a
2: listening, you know, that's a listening thing. And
1: that's, I teach you that, that's one of the things you learn in acting is you're not listening completely. You have your own... Yeah. That's another thing I learned about it, in acting that I didn't know. Is I always thought you planned out what you were going to do, and then you try to live that out. That's right. not what it is. You have to go moment to moment to moment, and everything changes. You can do the same scene every night, and it's going to be different every night. It should be different every night.
0: Yeah. If it's
1: not it's slightly different, different yeah. you're not reliving it because yeah. if somebody's going to do something differently, and you're going to have to react. You, that's another thing, like in acting, you hear somebody talk, and they'll be like, uh, "That sounds great," and the other person's like, "I know, that doesn't fit." <laughs> and watch bad acting. If somebody says, "That yeah. sounds great," I know it does. You, know. you have to match and come back with what they're doing. But that in that case, the person isn't listening. They're not following through what, what the situation is. They're just like, "I got this pet question. He's gonna hang up yeah. soon. I, I gotta like,
2: get it out there." Please don't do not you know, there's a movie called The Island of Dr. Moreau. I remember oh. it. <laughs> the, the one
3: with Marlon Brando. Speaking Valpius, of animals. Well, that was the one where... he uh... made animal-human hybrids. Right, yeah.
2: but
1: that, but did, that is the was. one where Mike Myers got the idea for Mini-Me. Oh, from that little yeah. weird yeah. guy.
2: Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. In that movie, if you guys haven't seen it, because there's a, it, it's the second or third iteration of the movie. It, it had been made much earlier, but Marlon Brando... And Val Kilmer, two phenomenal actors, are in it. They didn't get along at all. I guess they hated one another. And they used to sit in their trailers, and I'm only coming out if he comes out first. Right. And they both were saying that, so nobody ever came out. Mm -hmm. So they had to work that out. But one of the greatest things, unless you were paying attention, you would have no idea why the hell he was doing it. But there's a point in the movie in which Marlon Brando's character dies. And from that moment on, Val Kilmer does the rest of the movie with Marlon Brando's voice. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah, that's right. The rest of the movie, he does Marlon Brando. Uh, and he, there's no reason for it. Oh, really? He just does it. And you go, "Oh my God, they hated each other that much." <laughs> <laughs> so he was just like you're saying, he was just living it All right. And this is what I'm going to do now because he's dead. So I'm going to remind you that he's dead by talking like him for the rest of the movie. It's like,
3: and people did not like the movie because it was pretty obvious that no one wanted to be there. But I loved it. I absolutely loved the movie because
2: of all the odd things that those two did. It was a they weird, made it a very I, weird I movie. I'm to go back
1: and watch it for that. Oh, God, it. it's amazing. Because when you know
2: behind the scenes or something, it can make something way yeah. more interesting. Oh, you know, He rolls up, and he's dressed like Marlon Brando, too, when he rolls up in his little... I do remember that. Yes, he dressed like Marlon and he rolls up and he goes, what we're going to do today is going to be unbelievable. And he starts talking <laughs> like Marlon Brando. I'm like, what the hell? Is he, why is he doing that? Oh, yes, he, he's reminding the, the whole World that he's still in the movie and Marlon Brando isn't. <laughs> That's funny. Oh God, I, I just, I, I, you know, the whole thing about about great actors, and I love great acting. People, I don't think people know what great acting even is, but you get so. I, I just mentioned too, Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer, phenomenal. Let me ask you this: This is there's one danger with what you're doing. Have you ever noticed that that really good actors are Anonymous. unstable as hell mm-hmm. <laughs> because i just think they can do it so well that it scares the hell out of them i don't think i'll ever be that good oh i don't know all. i disagree
1: I, I don't know i don't I, I don't know it's opened me up more emotionally than i ever but having kids has done that too yeah, well, that's um, true yeah but i'm a very reactionary reactive person so uh it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I it's well, since I started taking the acting lessons, I have definitely I tear up a lot more th- thinking about oh, yeah. things my kids do. Oh, yeah. I opened a lot of those doors that mm-hmm. that I wasn't trying to be a tough guy. I I, I try to get no, my son sure. to get on that side. I'm like my son won't even like he doesn't like to be touched. He won't give you a hug. I tell him I love you because I don't think my dad just wasn't that type. Isn't no, that type of guy? My dad understand. won't say I love you. He's just. He's just... uh, My dad's also the cheapest guy. (laughs) (laughs) He is? Oh, yeah. My dad would do stuff. It's so funny because I remember being a kid. And because I tried to do a lot of the opposite just because I remember how my dad made me feel with some of these things. And he wasn't trying to be mean, but he was just cheap. I remember going to the store... And I'd saved up my money, and I wanted to buy something. He's like, why don't you just get one of those? I'm like, Dad, they're thumb wrestlers. You need two. Otherwise, <laughs> you just <laughs> ghost thumb wrestling. You know, I need Big John Studd and Hulk Hogan. Damn. Otherwise, it's just a solo match. So... Get the
3: Rocky one and then have him, like, punch a little punching bag. And... Right. Yeah, <laughs> do a I mean... training montage with one. Yeah, just like, you know,
1: all I can do is try thumb training yep. montage. <laughs> I... So, uh. But I, I do find myself much more emotional since having kids. And then with the with the, uh, with the the acting stuff, that's opened me up quite a bit, which is helping with the stand-up stuff because things are coming from that reality. And when I talk from a, a place and have an emotion attached to it, I can feel that the stand-up is working so much better. But also, like you said, the unstable thing, I find things that just, like, I will say things now. I am like almost a human Twitter feed where I will just well, say yeah. stuff. Like, for example, I had to hold myself back. My son took this, um, so he's a, he's a, he's a pretty smart little dude. He's, um, following in my footsteps. No, he, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's just turned 14. He's young and he's going to, uh, he's in, he's a freshman. So he just turned 14, turned freshman. So he's super young. Most of the kids turned 14 last year during school. Yep. Uh, even if it was like February through May or whatever, um, so he's t- he took his first quiz in Honors Algebra 3-4, which is a junior-level class. So he took that, and I get this angry text after he took it in the morning. In between, he goes, you're not going to believe what the teacher did, and but a whole bunch of expletives in it. He's like, she put questions about the syllabus in the uh, uh-huh. test. She didn't just test on the material. She tested on the syllabus. I'm like, did she ever tell you? That it was going to be... In, the, in On the test, she goes, no, he, they'd had nothing to do with anything that's we odd. talked about. I was, so I go, talk go talk to the teacher. He's like, the worst part is it threw me off at the rest. I couldn't think. I was so mad about it. I'm like, well, that's a lesson you have to learn, right. and you can't. Because emotionally, he's a bit behind and that kind of stuff. So I was like, you have to be able to reason through things and just live your life, even if something throws you off that bad. I was mm-hmm. like, I know. I just couldn't. I go, go talk to the teacher. Tell her what happened. And then you just have to work your butt off. To, for the rest of the semester, if you got a fifty percent or sixty, if you failed it as badly as you think you did, his buddy's dropping the class. His friend is, who's overall oh, really? smarter than him. I don't think better in math than him, but overall smarter than mm-hmm. him, is just so mad about this because the teacher did a whole speech about how teachers are here to help you, not hurt you, oh, and yeah. then she did that, and that yeah. that got him a little bit more. So he went to the teacher afterward, after school, which I told him to do, and said, just tell her you care. You know you got a bad grade. You know you didn't know any of that. You have to fully admit that uh, you didn't know the answer to those questions. But it also affected the rest of what you were doing there, and you let it affect you, and you just wanted her to know. Even if you can't take it, you wanted to know who you are and what the situation was. And he did that, and he came back, and I said, Oh, well, what did she say? And he said, Well, she, didn't, she wasn't going to change anything or let me retake anything, but she told me there was a quiz next week and a test the week after that, so I was like, Okay, good. You got something positive out of it. Work from there. He goes, Yeah, and she said that we signed the syllabus and turned it in, so we should, we have, we, if you sign something, you should know what's in it. And I said, Okay. Well, let's go give her some quizzes about her mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go give her a quiz, because that's bad reasoning. That's not true. It? You sign things right. for when right. a dispute comes up that you can say at the time you understood it, reasoned through I it, agree. and knew it. You didn't sign something, say, I've memorized this situation. I go, let's ask her about the terms of service in Facebook. Does she have a Facebook page? Because I'm pretty sure she doesn't know any of the actual terms of service from that. No. How about her... Uh, Let's ask her questions about her car loan. I bet she signed on that.
3: <laughs> Nobody
1: knows. And you, you, even if you read through or have a lawyer read through the, the house documents or whatever... You, you 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 go back, and if there's a dispute, you go. Oh, I signed off on that, and there's no way you can in the real world know everything no, that you're no,
2: signing off on. No, and it gets people. It's gotten me in trouble. And but but I, but said, at I the, didn't know I signed that.
1: But at the same time, a kid t- taking a test on that that counts. Right. I can see if you want to teach that life lesson to me, it's you tell them, then you you make it look like it counts, and then at the end you go, you yeah. know, it, it didn't count. But yeah. that mm. feeling. You're going to learn from that feeling. Mm -hmm. Not not you're going to go from a a 90% to a 60% on the first quiz of the year and be working out of the hole the whole time. As a freshman who's in his first week of school. Yeah, that's tough. That's just – that's tough
3: to me. I'm surprised she's allowed to do something like that. Just – well, see, her other on.
1: reasoning was this: she said, "I do it every year," and I said, "Well, mm-hmm. then everybody who has a sibling in the class or knows somebody who is in the class knows Hasn't and well has an advantage. It, right? Technically, that's cheating." Yeah, that's and you gave us a whole speech strange. about cheating uh-huh. at the freshman orientation. Anyone caught cheating, that's telling somebody what's on the test, what to study for. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. right. that's cheating. So uh there's a lot of holes in her um and i'm not doing any of this stuff in the phoenix area but i'm hoping
2: some of the
4: kids it. <laughs> we'll take
2: a break be right back more with frank caliendo tom bernard just like all of you i've been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it's as great as everyone says well i received my first my pillow and i love it because i have a pretty big melon pretty big head and my pillow will prop it right up. I can get my neck aligned, and I sleep very well because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of My has a very special offer for my listeners. My Pillow is offering buy one My Pillow and get another absolutely free. Don't delay. Order now. This offer expires August first. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first My Pillow. If you already know how great the My Pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use the promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code TOM. Call 1-800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. Priority Courier Experts, every time you call us, we deliver. Listen to you playing snazzy music today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, tomorrow night, Frank Caliendo is at Acme. And then uh, the 27th and 28th at Acme as well. Uh tonight, tomorrow night sold out, and next Tuesday sold out as well. But um, Monday night has just a few tickets remaining. We'll talk about that because they'll be gone after this show. So you know, yeah, we're certainly after the morning show tomorrow. Really great. <laughs> you know, you know who taught me what great I, look? I watched Marlon Brando, and I watched all these different people acting back in the day, because Marlon Brando broke from. Well, my darling, I'm going upstairs now and probably taking a nap. That was acting before Marlon Brand. Right. And he changed it to, uh, (laughs) oh, he'd be mumbling and just talking like a regular guy. But the person who who really nailed it for me and really showed me what great acting was all about was Jackie Gleason. And what I mean by that is he was Ralph Cramden. And he was always going to be Ralph Cramden to some people, except for he was such a good actor. Um, he did a movie called uh, Gijo, in which he was a deaf, he was a mute. I don't think he was deaf, he was mute. He played Minnesota Fats in, uh, in The Hustler. But the one role he played, did you ever see a movie called Soldier in the Rain, starring uh, Steve McQueen and, and Jackie Gleason? He is so incredibly good in that movie because it's a very emotional uh, part that he's playing. At one point, he's a he's a he's a master sergeant in the army, and Steve McQueen is a private in the army, and they befriend one another, and they talk a lot about life and what life is all about and all the rest of it. And he uh, at one point, Jackie Gleason is standing in full dress uniform in front of a mirror in his office, and. Steve McQueen walks in, and he sees Jackie Gleason looking at himself in the mirror. And McQueen says, Maxwell, what are you doing? And he goes, well, Eustace, I must tell you something. It's just part of life, and I understand that, but it is very difficult to be a fat narcissist. And the way he delivers that line is so incredible (laughs) that he really, his character believes I am a narcissist, but I'm a very fat narcissist, and that's not an easy thing to do. It's just <laughs> phenomenal acting, wonderful acting. It's very emotional. Um, is there anybody you're trying to kind of pattern yourself after it as far, not, you know, emulating them, but you admire their style or, or whatever so much? Uh,
1: I just like the people, I, I don't know, not really. I like, I like serious actors. Who are able to elicit a laugh because they're so serious? In yeah. the, I mean, the really good ones. Robert Downey Jr. is amazing. He's at a great that. actor. Yeah, incredible. Um, and that's all a style. He's very. He's just him, right? He's yep. doing. He's doing his thing, making it happen, getting better. Okay, <laughs> that that type of uh, situation is what I'm all about. Okay. Um, uh, Kevin Spacey, although in trouble now, and you're not supposed to like him anymore, is one of those guys you just watch and go, "Holy yeah. cow! Great actor, just fantastic." Uh, I like—I uh, mean, I like—I just the shows that I watch are where I see a lot of great acting. Better Call Saul is my new. Oh yeah, it's very good. I mean, I just
2: very good. Bob Odenkirk is amazing.
1: Incredible. Uh, Jonathan Banks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All <sighs> right. We're going to take care of it, but it's going to take a little while. Love he's it. just, it's so, and I love how they do this on Better Call Saul. You'll see the character, Mike Ehrmantraut, creating something. You don't know he's making, and then it, a little bit later, it's revealed why he did it. And right. it might not even be in that episode. It might be an episode or two later. You saw why he was putting down some type of trap. Turns out he was setting something up for somebody else and carrying out the job that you didn't even know he was doing. And when they reveal what he was doing, it's like, that's just brilliant, brilliant writing. It is great Um,
2: writing. There's no getting around it. Did you ever see a a show called Rectify? It was on the Sundance channel. mm -mm. If you ever get a chance to watch it, you should definitely watch it. Because the lead in the show, Rectify, is so incredibly understated and kind of unemotional. It's got to be one of the biggest bitch of an acting jobs ever Hmm. because he was not allowed to show a whole lot of emotion he was very reserved but he was brilliant I can't remember the actor's name that's terrible I can't but have you watched this show on HBO Succession?
1: It's, I another, not, no. it's
2: really good,
1: too. And I, the guy I heard about talking about it was on a radio interview. It was Charles Barkley talking about, i got to watch Succession and Power. <laughs> <laughs> and now I, I haven't seen the show Power yet, but I've watched Succession, and he's totally right. It's a fantastic, it's well acted. I've heard, yeah. It's a really good show. Um, I'm only three or four episodes in, but I, I look for these kinds of shows where the acting is just... Uh, blowing me away, and the, the other one is Game of Thrones. I just I watch it. Yeah, and a I lot go, of it. man, they just—you know exactly what they're thinking, and they're not telling you anything they're thinking. Like I, that's the difference I see between network shows, uh, for the most part, and smaller cable like FX and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, in 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 um, what they will do in a network show or in a, let's do a cable show. In a cable show uh, or pay cable kind of show, you'll see a bunch of things happen. There might not even be any dialogue mm-hmm. and you'll 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 just go, "Okay, they're putting that together." They, that, and then you're allowed to put it together yourself. The the dialogue is there in a, to to give you some background, and you get to put it together yourself. In a network show, they'll be like, I'm going to have to go downstairs right now because there's something happening downstairs that I have to take care of. And you go, well, that you're just giving – there's no thinking involved. They're telling you the whole thing. And the other thing between like an FX show um, or a cable show and a show on network TV – Network TV is all beautiful people doing stuff. Con- all mm-hmm. they, they're all the main people are beautiful people, and on FX or whatever, they're just regular looking people. Mm-hmm. Like Bob Odenkirk, yeah, is not like, a no. lead You're in right. a drama yep. on uh, on a show on network television. No, not not that he couldn't be, but they're just casting the guy with the great hairline. They're he gonna cast the guy. Out, right? well, no, no, he's got a I mean, he's 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 got that high forehead. He's, he's got just got a, a different. Forehead. He's just got a different look, and he's not gonna be taken in a serious role. They put him in a serious role. and He's incredible. He's amazing. And that he whole is. show, Michael McKean, is inc- was incredible in that show. Yeah, he was. So yeah. it's, I watch that stuff and go, that's that's what I'd like to do. And when you watch a sitcom, they're going funny line, funny. Line. Everybody's funny in the sitcom. I like. know oh, I like it when they're just. When the ser, when the ser, it's so serious, uh, everybody's taking everything so seriously that something just happens to be funny. And joke lines don't make me laugh. If somebody does a joke, I'm like, that's a joke. You know, unless right, the character's right. joking on purpose. But, yeah. like, I'll get those lines, they'll be like, that's because I'm thinking uh, backwards. <laughs> like, well, nobody would really say that no, and not no. be. But if some situation happens and you feel awkward and as my son would say, cringy, that's where you go. <laughs> cringy.
3: Yeah, that's that's the word kids use a lot. Yeah, more, right? I don't even they know. do. It's so cringy. Mm-hmm. It's so. Cr- Everything is cringe. Yeah. Oh, like,
0: my kids say
1: that. Too. Yeah. Really? Cringy, and that's when you know you get that. Uh, like when I was a kid, if something got cringy, I'd turn it off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now, now cringy, you, you're like, oh man, this is awesome. What the, how are they going to get out of this?
2: You know, uh, a TV executive told me one time that what you're talking about, what used to be broadcast, I guess it's still called network television. It's not broadcast any longer. But the reason they do that, that whole just really simple and I ain't got to go downstairs because there's something happen Because 70% of people on earth cannot think beyond the level of a 12
1: Right. I get it. I get it. But I, so I, it doesn't money. interest me no, I understand in that. the show. And that's why I love the, the cable stuff. Or the Netflix stuff because mm-hmm. – or any of those types of uh, internet shows that are like high-level internet shows. Because they give you – they let you not understand everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And you have to go figure it out or if you can't I, – I mean, there's stuff I miss all the time. And that's yeah. the stuff I'm thinking about and when I can't wait to see what's going to happen. And a lot of people just like yeah. – a lot of people – it's like the difference between a pregame show and a postgame show. I think. <laughs> yes. A pregame exactly. show, they tell you all the things that you think are going to happen, and some of it happens, and then it doesn't, and you're like, "Well, that was a waste of time to think right. about that." And the postgame show, you're like, "Here's what happened. Here's our analysis." Well, the postgame shows really more, you know, listening to the the Talking Heads the next day. Is more what I care about, the the opinions that I like to listen to personally, than what they're projecting that's going to happen. Because nobody knows what's going to happen. It's the gambling aspect of it that makes the predictions fun. Because somebody's either going to be right or wrong on it. But when it's afterward, you actually get to say, well, this is what happened. This is what happened. And this happened. It's unbelievable that this series of events happened. And
2: that's how the game ended. Is there one role that you'd really love to play someday?
1: Uh, no, I don't have anything that's. I mean, I haven't really even thought that far yet. I'm trying to figure out what my, what my main character. What's the perfect acting role for me to get that would like make me pop? And I think it's somewhere in the, the the kind of character that just questions, like, what the, What are you talking about? That's where I come right. from a lot. That's where my stand up's starting to come from. Yeah, and that's why I'm trying to push that more in terms of and and get that further developed because then somebody can go, Oh, you watch a stand up, this guy's the perfect guy to go in that role Mm -hmm. um, and have a type. Like, you know, to have my my type right now is guy who breaks into other characters. So I'd like to have I'd like to become who I really am and and act from that first and then after I've pigeonholed myself that way, maybe become a better actor and get as many different types of roles as possible. And I, I, there's nothing that I've found that's that I think would be perfect for me. No way.
2: Well, what I like about it is the fact that you've decided you've had great success in your career. There's no question about that, and you've decided now it's time for me to go somewhere else. I think that's very, very smart. Because the problem for me, at least, is, and maybe it's this, you know, that time in my life, is that people they if they do the same thing their entire life uh you're going to realize boy this is almost over right and you don't want to ever think that this though yeah this, my life is almost over this part well then do something else i mean it's actually what i'm really focusing on now is eventually um doing only interviews hmm. i would i love doing interviews i like you know and i don't i don't do any show prep i don't you know, I, I had heard from Tom Griswold that you were doing what you're doing, which interested me. But I didn't go read up on what you were doing because right. I just want a normal reaction from you. And I want to react normally to you.
1: Well, right. Yeah, and that's it's almost like the acting kind of thing. But the, the yeah. other thing is half the people, if you read up on it, they're getting it wrong anyway. So well, that, see how most of these people are promoting. True, yeah. I, prom- I talk about all these shows and they... They're selling them wrong. They're, I, like, I gave them yeah. specifics on this is not. They're like, the world's premier impressionist. The galaxy's greatest impression. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not what this show is. That's not what I want to portray it as. Yep. I'm going to do some of the impressions. But then they put the note that I put out at the end. But they try and sell it a different way. First, I'm like, you guys are totally missing it. The whole point is I'm going up there. And now you, you're making it harder for me because more of the people aren't unaware of what. I'm trying to do, and I'm not doing impressions for the first, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes other than a (laughs) boom, you know, to tell a story about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the difficult thing is you can't just, you can't even look it up because I've seen so many people get it wrong. You know, even the person I'm doing the interview with and some of them just aren't listening as I'm saying it.
2: So, so you're not going to co- completely walk away from what you've done? No, no, no. There's still elements of it there. It's just done
1: differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way of going about it. Like, if I'm talking about, let's say, Trump, and I don't take a political direction, I, I make fun of him because I think there are things that he does that are well, so ridiculous, God, way no matter what, Yeah. Um, that... I. It, that it, but it isn't about the, just the, the easy bashing the whole time. It's just looking exactly. at it. But I talk about doing a sketch with Donald Trump before he was president. And the sketch uh, going down, something with the cameraman not moving, the director calls cut, and he looks around. And says, Is this okay? Does this seem okay? Does everything seem okay? It's like, everybody around the room, yes, Mr. Trump, fantastic. And Mr. Trump's like, wait, does anybody ever say something isn't good? And he goes, no, Frank, that's part of the problem. I can't get real answers. So no. that was the element. And then there was like this element where there's this time – he takes me – From there, because we're in Trump Tower, and he takes me over to the uh, Trump evader which, you know, it, it was Vader. so Willy wonky he's like, do you have a second? Come with
4: me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the trump Elevator, you know, the elevators go up and down, the wonk evader goes side to side or whatever. trump Elevator swirl around and flip back. Uh, so, But on the way to the trump Elevator, he's like, he knew every worker's name in Trump Tower. He's like, that's great, Phil. Fantastic job. But I just want to go, Phil, I can't believe he knows your name. He's like, that's because it's Mark. You know, <laughs> fake news, <laughs> fake news. That never really happened. So Right. It's truth, like the, those stories and moments in them, and I'm. That's where I'm coming from. Instead of just doing straight up Trump jokes, like right. the stuff, like just the the, um, the wall jokes and that kind of thing. Right, it's, or, it's, even, it's been or even yeah, or even the stuff where um, uh, I talk about his way of talking uh, that he gets people on board. Uh, President Obama would say, let me be clear, and then he would say something that he wanted to get you on his side. Trump will say this at the end, and everybody knows it.
2: And, so and then everybody
1: they're, knows it. They're all doing these Jedi moves that I don't yeah. know if they're learned or taught or what, but that's how people get get you on board. Um so it's not just those types of things. It's more the person. I'm trying to pull everything I can into being personal. How does yeah, it, How is yeah. it in my world? And then if I make observations along the way, that's fine because that's part of it. But I want it to be more about how does it come from me and uh, the interaction I've had or what I've learned. That's wonderful. We'll be right
2: back for the final segment with Frank Caliendo right after this Tom Bernard show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Nutrimose Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan – I'm down over 77 pounds, and have one more round to go to shed the rest of my unwanted pounds. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did by attending the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It is on Monday, August 20th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. That extra baggage melts away really fast, and one of the best parts is it's just so easy. I am never, ever hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you, too. Register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on August 20th. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337.
4: Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on earth. You have these things because the U.S. military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet Earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom. And all too often, they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing. Take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose, and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us. It's a small thing we do. It was a huge thing that they did. goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. Make a donation today. Doodle, doodle, doodle.
2: The Eyes lead no, that's the OJ Yep. For the love of money yeah, is this... the root of all evil.
0: Yeah, this was the um, theme song that they used for Celebrity Apprentice, Donald yeah. Trump show.
2: I just wanted to point out that I actually did hit the post and then you've talked to her.
0: I'm sorry. No. No, no,
2: way to go. Don't worry about my feelings. <laughs> Ruining my radio career. It's just unbelievable, the whole thing. Um, you know, it's really interesting to me. I've been noticing this lately, and I don't know what it's all about. But uh, Joe Suchere and Pat Royce are going to end their show coming up uh, on September 7th. They, and, of course, the newspaper where Pat Royce works, the headline was, Suchere and Royce get the axe. Well, if you're working at that newspaper, you really want to read in your own newspaper that you got the ax mm. Yeah, I mean, they ended the show. I wouldn't really call it a firing. It's just the show came to an end, right? right. <laughs> so there are all these comments in the Star Tribune. In the Pioneer Press, there was not one comment about me. In the Star Tribune, there were several. And what's really weird about them is, is a, a guy sent them all to me. He separated them all and sent all the comments to me. And I read them, and half of them were... Um, you know Bernard's show has just gotten so conservative, and it's just leaned so far right. I can't stand to listen to it. And the other half were, you know, he's such a liberal. He uses the Lord's name in vain. It's like, right. well, it's one or the other, or it's neither. Right? How do people get the impression they will make you whatever they want you to be, won't they? I think there's a. I think there definitely people are
1: always there's that confirmation bias. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, that people love to see. Uh, I mean, if oh if you're, my God, Lindahl's here. If, if you're, if a person in your political party that you like, and I'm a middle of, I don't think I fit in any political. I don't
2: party. either. I'm a centrist but, all the
1: way. But if if somebody on your team, let's say you're a Democrat, if somebody on your team does something, to go, hey, wait, wait, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But if the Republican does, it, would be like, they are evil. Yeah. And the same thing is the opposite. If the yeah, Republican yeah, see that, let's true. give this Republican guy a benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And then the Democrat, they'll be like, that person is evil. Well, no, it's neither. <laughs> They're just exactly. coming from a
2: different point of view than you are. That's it. And we can maybe work something out if I'm not the most hateable person well, on look earth. Look
1: Again, when you see um, some of these tweets that people have in their history of tweets like the baseball player and the Brewers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so here's here's where I'm going to come on that. And maybe you'll have a different uh, take on this. Um, being a person right, of color. He, um, gonna, <laughs> a black man in America today. That's black what man in about. America. <laughs> this is America. But <laughs> there's, a, there's a reality to this where a person grows up and you become a product of everybody around you. So right. if people around you are racist, pretty good shot. You're going to be racist. Now, as an adult, you grow up and you learn, you get better, yeah, you and you, yeah. you know to get away from that. Not everybody knows the way – not everybody gets away from that quick enough. Not everybody understands. Not everybody's been around. I have a friend who is black who said when he was in the Navy, he met a guy that was pretty racist, I guess, in the Navy at the time. This is 20, 30 years ago, at least 20 years ago, I'd say. But he said – the guy had never met a black person before and he was right. from california he didn't even he he couldn't believe that he'd never met a black person before but the the guy the white guy had these conceptions or misconceptions and he's like well, no. And he's like, I'll help you with it. And they became friends. But the thing was, from the beginning, the guy, had he didn't know. He didn't right. understand that people are just people on the inside because he wasn't right. taught that. Conversely, I was out at uh, Louis, LSU a few years ago while Miles, uh, Les Miles was still there. Mm-hmm. He was talking about some of these guys come from situations where their grandma has them selling weed on the corner. They don't. They don't know the grandma's the one who's got you selling the drugs. Yeah, yeah. You grow up, that's just your life. Your grandma wouldn't do something wrong. No. Grandma, no, no, I mean no, you're right. your parents wouldn't do something wrong. You don't know. You have to learn and sometimes it takes people to become an adult and get into adulthood and be around other people to go, Hey, you can't do that. You can't be around that and you can't think that way. But if every, if you're raised in a if you're raised in a house where somebody thinks if you're raised by Archie Bunker, it's hard not to think that that's, that's – right. that's how I've been raised right. my entire life. Yeah, yeah, when it's all you know, then you don't – It's all you know. know and it's not, I, again, I'm not saying it's right. I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible yeah. that somebody would raise somebody like that. But you can't fault the kid who's basically an experiment gone wrong yeah. at that point. And especially when – because what he tweeted it when he was 17 years old and now right. – years later well, i don't want you defending to defend. him but um <laughs> <laughs> you no know, i mean there is there's some truth that 17 but you got to go back and look and say you got to get, get rid of that stuff earlier yeah. and then and say you got to look back and say what did i do but a lot of these kids haven't done i hear my son playing video games and he's just swearing and screaming and all the other yeah. kids that you know the kids he knows from church they're all yelling <laughs> screaming from, from the, church the church league basketball yeah. Sure. They're all they're all saying these terrible things. I'm like, does anybody know who you are because that you got to be careful as you get older you want to get a job. You can't say some of these things although I even look at Facebook now and I'll see some of the teachers some of the stuff they're saying. I'm like, yeah wow, you nobody really realizes they have a job anymore. They just well, want to make sure don't. you know what the opinion is.
2: I tell you the only black man I'm, I've ever been mad at is somebody I absolutely adore. And that's Richard Pryor. And the only reason I'm mad at him is because I cannot say the name of his first two albums. It's really pissed me. <laughs> that's really a, it really upsets me to no end that I can't say that. <laughs> or Bicentennial. <Yeah. laughs> you know, either one. Of them. I, 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 you know, the thing that is really good... And Tevin, I wanted to get your take on this. Because I talked about this on the air this morning. Why is it... That so-called intellectual white people think they have to help you.
0: I don't get that. Oh uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, the the whole like oh we're helping you. Like I we don't. You don't need, need help. Anybody's like, I don't, if I needed help, I'd ask somebody. I mean,
2: helped. your charming personality is enough for me. You know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But no, it bothers me that some white people think that if you don't really support the black man as much as you can and help them along. You're racist. No, actually you're racist. Right. That's the other kind of racism. Yeah. that you think Everybody always needs help. There's,
1: I I mean, there's a good, there's a good intention there, but it's, it's 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 assuming that a group of people can't do something. So that to me is the same in the end. That's pretty much the same thing. But again, that's looking at things from just a different perspective. Somebody's trying to be helpful and stuff like that, but you're going, that's pretty condescending. It's really
2: out. condescending to me. Yeah. And the other thing I'm still pissed off at Richard Pryor about, because I thought he was brilliant, is that one of the greatest lines in the history of movies when he says well, when the the when the, the, the mayor of the town says We'll take the N's and the C's, but we don't want the Irish. It's brilliant, <laughs> because he goes all the way through that, saying these two horrible words about people, and he just says the people he really hates, he calls them the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's brilliant. It's brilliant comedy, because you're offensive as hell about the two people you accept, but not them. Right. I mean, it's wonderful stuff. <laughs> so, it. it I don't know. Richard Pryor changed. He changed my. See, I life. didn't. I didn't even
1: enjoy Pryor as much until I started getting into what I'm trying to do now because I oh, realized really? how hard oh, and interesting man. that stuff is. Yeah. To 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 do that and turn real life tragedy into comedy, or you know, just tell stories from your real life. That kind of opening up is the amazing thing to me.
2: Could you imagine what it felt like to Richard Pryor? He's brought in by Mel Brooks to do a rewrite on uh, Blazing Saddles. He writes all this brilliant comedy. Uh, one line that was cut from the movie is when Lily von Stupp is with the sheriff, and it's, it's the, the scene's totally dark, you can't see anything, and she says, is it true what they say about you people? And then you hear a zipper go down, and she said, oh, it's true, it's true. Well, they cut a line out right after that because the sheriff says, Excuse me, lady, but you're sucking on my pistol. I mean, yeah. it's brilliant. It's brilliant stuff. But how crushing would it be if you're Richard Pryor, you've written this movie, probably the funniest movie ever, and then they tell you, but you can't play the sheriff because you're too controversial.
0: Yeah. What? Well, well, the best line or my favorite line for that movie is when they yell, the, where the white women at? <laughs> <laughs> I've yelled that more times than I
2: should admit. You yell at me. Yeah, it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. But he was not allowed to be who he really was because as a real person, not just a writer, you're too controversial.
3: Right.
4: What?
2: I didn't realize. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was supposed to play the sheriff in the. Well, he
3: was in the middle of a. Like, he was busted for cocaine or something. Yeah, like that. So yeah, semantics. They didn't want him to. <laughs> it's all yeah. semantics, yeah. Well,
1: exactly. now, right now, that's called uh, professional athletes. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's that is. Professional yeah. athletes. Or in the 80s, it was called every actor ever. Right. So, he <laughs> was just. He did, he, he did coke 10 years too early, is all. Yeah. <laughs> mm. He did. He was ahead yeah, of the uh, curve, and he got punished for it. Head of the coke curve. God, he was brilliant.
2: I mean, kid from Peoria, Illinois. His mother is a hooker, and his grandmother is the madam of the hookers. It's like, what a great way to grow. No wonder you're funny. (laughs) Because otherwise you'd be crying 24 hours a day. (laughs) You think there's still an element to that? You can't really be funny unless you're kind of sad as well. I don't know about
1: sad. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. To me... I don't know if sadness is where it comes from, because I, I feel pretty content in life. Yeah, um, you always have been. Yeah, true. I uh, I think maybe that's part of my problem too. Like I've always been, I've never been like the sad clown kind of person, to finding stuff from complete tragedy. Mm-hmm. But I try to avoid tragedy. I try to work my way around it, and not be. Yeah. In it. What but did you say like, earlier?
2: Your dad did your your dad never told you he loved you. Yeah, he never,
1: but he didn't tell anybody. I mean, my my dad loved one person, him.
2: He loves, my dad loves.
4: My dad's the
1: kind of guy, you'll see him and it will be like, uh, you're not going to believe I went two for four today.
2: (laughs) Like, you're giving me your softball
1: stats and I haven't
2: seen you for like a month, two months. But when your son, you tell your son you love him, it makes you tear up.
4: It can. I mean, but he,
1: he, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but it's not because I wasn't, I just wanted to know that. But you um, wanted to know. I'm kind of good with it. <laughs> I don't know that would have been weird. Yeah, uh, uh, been too. Weird. I know it just wasn't him though. I don't feel bad about it because I know right. where it is. But uh, you know, I don't I know. I don't know. It, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure where that's at. I've got that's something I could delve into. But it's never made me really sad. I don't think. I don't think it's I ever. I guess we're gonna
2: find out. Yeah, I? we're gonna find out how, <laughs> how,
1: how tragically I end.
2: Uh, It's pretty amazing. I I tell you what, honest to God, I want to say this again because we only got like three minutes left. But you, whether you know it or not, are the hardest working guy in in the comedy business. You do whatever it takes. A lot of guys, if they had Monday and Tuesday sold out, would go, I don't really want to do any media. You, you came and did two hours of this show. You're going to do the KQ morning show tomorrow. That's hard work, man. I mean, it's great to see you.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all true. But,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes wonderful. and
1: no. I mean, it helps. I mean, uh, part of it, yes, but at the same time, there is some stuff that gets me thinking and gets me ready for the show tonight. Yeah, yeah so I can see it. Yeah. There's, there's elements of that too. But so. it's work. But it's good to, you know, and you guys help me sell this stuff out so I don't have to work as hard. So I'd rather come in afterward and do stuff as, as a appreciative. Um, because next time you let me call in, and like some places, some shows won't let you call in two weeks in advance or a month in advance. Why They're not? like, oh, just call the week out. I'm like, you're defeating the purpose. Huh? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, don't want, I, want, I want the tickets to be sold before I get yeah. there. Because so, yeah. once people can't get in, that's more odd. people want to get in. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's the, the, the difficult thing with comedy clubs has been... Especially a lot of these bigger comedy clubs have come out that are five, six hundred seats. Yeah, nobody ever sells out, so everybody can wait to the last second to sell to, to buy tickets. So when you sell out early and you sell out in advance, now people know oh, I got to get them next time. So if I come that tune next time with a more polished show at a theater, yeah, people know they got to get the
2: tickets in advance because they couldn't get them last time. Do you ever play the West Palm Beach improv? Yeah. How, what is there like two thousand seats no, it's like that that's Good like 600 that's like 600 it's huge it's, it's, it's a beautiful club it's too. a beautiful club but i don't like the dinner service it's like stop making so much noise during the act please that'd be nice yeah i don't i don't know
1: because i'm just, just too engulfed in myself up there you're just so <laughs>
2: self-involved that you're <laughs> yeah. not paying a look i love the club it's a beautiful club that's yeah. two blocks from my house so oh really okay. okay i didn't right.
1: realize that yeah because it's it's so it's got a Miami thinking to it too even yeah, though yeah, it the does. clientele yep. is more West Palm but yep. Miami's just loud you know they well, there's a, they, the servers sometimes are like oh there's an act up there no <laughs> <laughs> got to make my I tip didn't realize money. that
2: was true it's yeah. wonderful so tonight tomorrow night sold out at Acme one of the great comedy clubs in America no question yeah about absolutely that. except for him you know, it's, yeah in paying him
1: no, and, it, and, you know, people might be able to hear in Iowa, too, the, now that we're there's, I'm going to Fairfield, Iowa, on Thursday, or on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Cedar Rapids got two shows that are sold out already. and, and uh, But frankonstage.com gives you all the information. Uh, I have Frank on stage so people don't have to spell Caliendo because I tell people this. From Minneapolis, when I first came out here, people like, are you uh, – they would call up Acme and like, is that uh, Frank Calamari there? Yeah. Black Calamari. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm a, a lightly breaded squid served with marinara.
2: <laughs> Frank Caliente. It just means hot. Yeah, right. Right. So well, Caliendo
1: good. is hot in, Italian, it's it's hot it's hot in Italian, Italian. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, ladies, know, you know I'm hot. I'm, hey, I'm Caliendo
2: great to see you my friend yeah, uh, seriously it's been I don't know it's been decades it's just wonderful yep fantastic it's a great uh, relationship but yes we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow perfect and then uh, in a couple of weeks you'll be back yeah I'll, I'll ignore think. you completely I would do that because I'm going to be on vacation good so gonna... <laughs> oh
3: he goes good
2: yeah, great <laughs> to see I you runs, Frank I
1: don't feel and you added a ton when you got in here yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: yeah
2: oh, Yeah. are we'll you bringing Tony back I haven't seen Tony in a while uh, why not <laughs> <laughs> never mind okay. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Tom Bernard. You.